Hey guys, before we start the podcast, Brooke and I wanted to take just one minute to tell you about a brand new resource from Million Praying Moms. It's called Everyday Prayers for All Ages and Stages, and it's available now on Amazon or at millionprayingmoms.com in our show notes. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to be a praying mom. So we've created prayers for each stage of your child's life that are designed to intersect the everyday moments you experience as a family. From a prayer for bath time to a prayer for before the big game or to a prayer for your adult child to love and follow Jesus, we've got you covered. Everyday Prayers for All Ages and Stages is available now, and it's going to be a treasured resource for your family in the days and years to come. Learn more at our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. We're authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin, and we're here to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Tune in each week to real life conversations with the experts about real issues Christian parents face today. If you're ready to learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hey there, friends. Welcome to the podcast. In this season, we're taking a look back at one of our very favorite series on the Million Praying Moms podcast, a series that unfortunately released right as the world descended into the coronavirus pandemic at the beginning of 2020. Everything changed for our ministry during that time. And like many of you, we found ourselves reeling from the latest crisis in our world and just trying hard to help our families navigate everything that was happening. And because of that, we know some of you missed the important messages from the Everyday Prayer series on the podcast. So we're taking the next six weeks to re-release them with updated information and new resources to get these prayers into your homes. In this series, we talk about what makes each stage of your child's life unique, challenging, and amazing, and offer prayers designed to intersect the everyday moments you experience as a family. Our goal is to make I don't know what to pray, or I don't know how to pray, or even I don't know when to pray, challenges of your past. We're going to be working our way through each individual stage over the course of the next six weeks. So if today's age group doesn't suit you, hold tight. We'll get there. So Brooke, this is episode number five in our current series called Everyday Prayers. And we have been through several developmental stages up to this point and can't wait to dive into the young adult years with a special guest today. So if you didn't catch our previous episodes and have an infant, toddler, preschooler, grade schooler, middle schooler, high schooler, or all of the above in your home, and if you have all of the above, God bless you, you can always visit www.millionprayingmoms.com to find it. But this week, we'll be diving into the challenges that come with parenting young adult children and offering you specific prayers to intersect the everyday moments of your day. So the way that we've designed these, Erin, is that we've tried to think hard about the common challenges for moms of adult children and create prayers for those specific moments. Our goal was really to bring the holy into the mundane. But, you know, as we've gone through this in the different ages and stages, we've realized that there really is some overlap 
between the different stages. So for example, in one of our younger episodes, younger age group episodes, we offered a prayer for before bedtime. And that's something that you can use no matter how old your child is. You may not physically be going in anymore to snuggle up with your child and and pray over them before they go to sleep at night, but that doesn't mean that you can't pray over them before they go to sleep at night. So really, a lot of these prayers can be used no matter what stage you're in. So if you, even if you don't have a child in the certain age group that we're going over, they're going to have something for everyone. Um, and Erin, last week, in our, in our episode last week, you and I moved courageously beyond the stages of childhood that you and I have experience with. We've, we've moved beyond our, our area of expertise, right, into the unknown. And today, I'm excited to talk through some of the challenges of parenting young adult children. Our guest today is a favorite and repeat guest on the show. Terry Lynn Underwood is a mom of one grown-up girl, a young adult, right, and wife to Scott. She's the author of Praying for Girls, Asking God for the Things They Need Most. She beautifully leads mothers of girls in teaching them timeless truths applied to living in today's culture. Terry Lynn, welcome to the show again. Hey, you guys. I feel like this is my second home. I know. Yes. <laughs> you. I mean, really, you're like like a third podcast host here with us because <laughs> you're such a regular and we love having you. So tell us about what's going on with you and your family. Well, let's see. By the time this um, episode airs, I will have had a 20-year-old for about Whoa. a month. Whoa. Yeah. We're recording the day after Cassidy's 20th birthday. Oh my goodness. So you are so just I let mean, that sink down, in for a minute. I yes. do not even have a teenager. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That's right. I didn't even think about that. You are officially survived teenagerhood. Like we, yeah. should, give, we should have had a medal I, for you today. Yeah. Why was, why did we celebrate her yesterday? I should have gotten Absolutely. There should have probably been some kind of tiara or headgear involved in that where yeah. it was ceremoniously yeah. placed on your head. Yes, <laughs> for surviving. I survived. I survived. Everyone's alive. No one was in jail. I mean, like, this is a win. This is Success. a serious win. Success. Because <laughs> at 13, you guys, I didn't think that was the way the story could oh. end, you know? <laughs> oh, that's um, Brooke's fantastic. about to have two teenagers. I'm a long way from my last one even entering the teenage years. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, keep the hope alive for me, mamas. <laughs> Like, we can survive it. Yes, you can. You can, and you can love it. I mean, not every day, but it's no, it's no different than any other season. At the, you know, I mean, I keep thinking every season that we get into, especially from here on out, like, is easier. I think. I don't know. <laughs> but I just feel like, as we talk about this today, like, really and truly, the pressure of parenting isn't the same now. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, it's just not, it's, I, I don't, I don't make the majority of decisions in Cassidy's life. At best, I'm an advisor mm -hmm. at best. Yeah. I love that. And that really takes us into the first point that we wanted to talk about today. The first challenge that we want to address of raising, or I guess maybe the better word is parenting a young adult child is moving from that position of, of full-on parenting to being more of a mentor. So tell us what that's, that transition has been like for you and maybe some of the, the challenges that have come with it. Um, I think this is the hardest part because for 
18-ish years, you make every decision, ultimately, you know, I mean, and then all of the sudden, and it feels that way, it literally feels like a switch has flipped, and all of the sudden, you really have become a mentor, an advisor, and you have to be invited in, and so I, like, learning how to not insert myself has been the biggest challenge, because for most of her life, I had every right to insert myself and learning to back off. And I'll say the biggest key for that with me has been having parents in my life, like friends who have already, who are a little bit ahead of me, who remind me, you know, of that truth that it's okay. You've, you've done what you're supposed to do. And now it's her time to live that out. And, and so that, but that's really, it's really hard because I feel like with a mentoring relationship, that's by invitation. That's mutual consent, right? Yeah. Parenting is not mutual consent. Right. <laughs> You're going to hear my opinion, whether yeah. you like it or not. Right. I mean, and ultimately you could say, no, you're just not doing that. And, and know that even if they did defy you, you had the authority to lay out the consequences. And of course, there's still some of that involved in terms of how your relationship functions, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, she, Cassie does still live at home, sort of. <laughs> she's, she's here about three nights a week, um, but she's not here most of the time. And, you know, I tell people this part all the time and they're like, really, how do you do that? But I mean, literally since we got back from her senior trip the summer after she graduated, she's not asked us for money. She's not, I mean, she doesn't, she pays for her own gas. She's paying for her own school. She's paying for her own everything. If we buy her something, it's because we want to, we put money in her account because we choose to, I mean, so she's super independent, which is great. We prayed for that. But with that comes, you know, again, I don't have as much right to say, I mean, you know, I just don't have that privilege to insert myself. I think that's the biggest key is, is that it has to be by consent. I can't remember who, I can't remember who said this recently, but it has stuck in my head in it's that we are trying to raise them to be independent and not need us as much. But when they don't, we're like surprised or shocked or cling to like them needing us. We, we want them to still need us in some way. When in reality, that's what our whole goal has been is to get them to the point where they don't need us as much, but it's a shock to the system when they don't. Yeah. I think it's a real challenge. Um, And I, like, we have been preparing for this because, as I said, I've been super intentional all along the way about finding women and us having friends who have kids just a little bit ahead of us that we could watch and learn from. And so I was prepared for that, the reality of that. I was not prepared for the emotion of that. Like, I can keep my mouth shut, but I can't always hide what's going on on my face. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's two totally different things. So like, I may not say what I'm thinking, but that's, that doesn't mean that she doesn't know what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And, and that has, you know, learning to have a poker face and just be like, and be very, which I think teenage years prepare you for that. You know, I'm like, I would, if I could go back, I would practice my poker face starting earlier. So I would have it, you know, now, but well, that's a good word um, of advice. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, I would just learn to, and I think I've always tried to be intentional about listening more than I say, but um, 
it's just, it's really hard to wait for someone to ask you for advice when you're watching and you know you could help them. Oh, yes. Like, yes. it's hard for, it's hard in any relationship. It is. Right? Right. Yes. And we think we're doing it when our kids are little, but the stakes are so much higher. Mm-hmm. Like, I looked at Cassie last night and I was like, you understand that literally anything that happens in your life, we, we can't do. Because I was talking about when I turned 20. I didn't like it. I was like, I'm not a teenager anymore. Like I am full out. Like there's no excuse. Like there's kind of this built in excuse. Oh, she's a teenager, you know, and <laughs> like you turn 20 and like, that's gone. And I was sharing that with her at dinner last night. And she looked at me, she goes, I never thought about that. You know I mean? I just, I said, you know, there's just this point now where there's, I mean, she's completely responsible on her own for every aspect of her life. You know, I mean, in reality, in practice, does that mean that we wouldn't help or do what we could? Of course. But the bottom line is it's her name that's out there. I mean, it's her name on her school financial report. It's her name on everything, you know, yeah. it's, it's really crazy. And, and that feels like it sneaks up on you. Yeah, I, I know. I think um, I've said this before as we've talked about kids as they mature, but I feel like, Terry Lynn, that, that your perspective on this is half the battle because there are, there are parents who would not take that perspective, that would not say, I don't have a right to speak into my children's lives, or, or they would say, I'm going to do it whether you want me to or not, or you know, whatever. But it, the way that you're talking about moving or transitioning from parenting to mentoring, the the process that you're going through, while it may be hard and it may be emotional, to me, it sounds very respectful. And, and I, you know, I think that's a gift that you're offering to Cassidy is the gift of I'm here for you. We have the relationship where you know that I, you know, I'm here for you and I'll offer you wisdom if you want it, but you're giving her the opportunity to come for it. And that just, to me, while I recognize as a mom what it costs you to do that, it feels like very a very respectful way to approach your your young adult. And I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> well, I hope that she feels that. I don't. I don't. I don't want anybody to think I always do this well. Um, I don't. And because she does still live at home to some extent we do have the ability to insert ourselves a little bit more than someone who, like my parents, I went six hours away to college. I mean, they, they could not insert themselves into my daily lives if they wanted to, because they had no idea. So while we don't have a lot of rules in terms of, you know, what time she has to be home or, I mean, I just want to know if she's coming home. <laughs> it's just, I just, you know, if you're going to be home, let me know. So that when the dog starts barking, I don't think it's somebody else. Right. But, um, but as far as, you know, a lot of us, like, I don't, Scott is on her checking account also because when she opened it, she was too young to open one by herself. So he's listed on it. And so he can check what, which is probably better for her because he's not as likely to be emotional, though he does not understand why she spends so much money at Ulta. And I would be like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, I mean, there's that give and take. But, you know, I mean, we do know a lot. And we're able to ask a lot of questions and there are times and have been times. And I'm sure as long as she lives at home, will still be times when I say, because this is the life that we have chosen, we need you to do this. You know, I mean like, but even that I think is about teaching her that we respect that she's her own person. And do we always like the choices that she's making? No. (laughs) 
<laughs> not at all. I mean, there, there are some things, but there were things when she was a teenager and there were things when she was three that I didn't like. Um, it's hard because the stakes just are higher. And, you know, I mean, we never want our kids to make the same bad choices that we've already made. Like, I just always have wanted, if she's going to do something stupid, let it be something that we haven't done. You know, <laughs> don't be as dumb as we were, you know? And yeah. So I think like, that's really the challenge, but the, the mentoring, when you think of yourself as a mentor, then that is, there's some implied consent there and, and a lot of respect and a recognition that you can only pour into an adult as much as they're willing to accept. Yes, that's true. And that's, I mean, I want her to be confident. I want her, and I feel like if she can, you know, ignore me, <laughs> what I'm saying, you know, then she's probably going to be able to stand on her own two feet with anybody else, you know, and we've right. seen that. Like yeah. if she can stand up to us and say, this is really what I think and this is really how I feel and, you know, and do it in a way that still honors us and respects us, then I think she'll be able to hold her own whatever life throws at her. I had a really eye-opening experience that gave me the glimpse into this. I coached my son's destination imagination team for two years. And if you don't know about that, it's kind of like a creative problem solving, um, you know, team activity. And it starts in elementary school and can go all the way through high school. So I was coaching my son's elementary team and one of the firmest rules in this team competition, they work on this for months um, and then go to a competition, but all the ideas have to be their own. I, as their coach, could not offer any ideas about how to do something or what to do or um, anything like that, even like materials, nothing. I'm a teacher, like that's my, what my degree is in. So when I took on this role, the hardest thing for me was to sit in those meetings and not say anything. And, and I could only guide them in brainstorming, guide them about ways to get to answers. Like, um, all right, so you decided you're going to do this. What are some materials you could use for that? Let's do an activity to brainstorm. I could not give a single idea though. Oh my goodness. It was so hard to keep my mouth shut. But if they came up with an idea and wanted to research it more, I could help them find the information to help them be more informed. And I felt like that was like God was working on my need to control and answer everything for my kids in that moment and instead say, let them figure it out for themselves. And when they come to you for help, show them how to work it out. And those two years were a huge challenge for this control freak, but they also really helped me to say to my kids more often, well, what do you think? And if you need help in knowing what that means, come to me, but I really want to hear your ideas first. And when you're talking about that relationship with a young adult, that's the first thing that came to my mind was they need to come up with these ideas. And when they come to me, I can help inform them more and help talk them through getting to the right decision, but they're going to be making a lot of choices without me. And that's just how it's supposed to be. And it sounds yeah. terrible, but I also know it turns out okay. Well, and I think like, I think that's really wise, Erin. And, and, 
a good explanation of what that looks like. For me, the only times I'm willing to step in, like I've just made a decision that I will step in in regards to matters of health and safety, right? Like, yeah. because I would step into those issues with almost anybody's kid. Right. And with another adult. Like if I had a friend who was doing things that were making her life unsafe or in a relationship that made her life unsafe or, you know, that wasn't healthy, I would say something. And so that's my, like, I don't step in very much unless I'm invited on moral or even spiritual issues anymore. I've given her the tools, her spiritual life. I mean, since, since she was in about upper elementary school, my position on all of this, partly from growing up in a pastor's house and now raising a child in a pastor's house was this has to be her own because as hard as it is anyway for our kids spiritually, when you grow up in the pastor's house and your life centers around the church, it can be very easy for those two things to get confusing. Mm -hmm. And so I have been very intentional about not about giving her tools and resources and encouragement, but not leveling any sort of expectation about what her spiritual growth looks like, which is hard for this control freak. I mean, I can let go of a lot of things, but that one's been really hard for me. But recognizing her personality is completely different from mine. I often will say, okay, but you know, she's not wired like me. And so for me, that's, and I think for a lot of parents who are listening, who have younger kids, you're probably thinking, yeah, but how do you not say anything? And I think that for me has been where I've landed is matters of health and safety. I will say something even if I'm not invited, everything else, I try really hard to wait <laughs> until she so, asks. So what do you do then? So this leads us to another challenge. When, when you notice a difference in values, like you're like, I raised this person and now I'm noticing that they're valuing different things than we are. And I don't have much control over that. Like, what is that like? I just said this morning in a conversation with someone that I have to remember, I'm still working at the long game, mm. right? This is, I am still, I'm still looking at the long game and the long game is I want a lifelong relationship with my child. I don't have to tell her how I feel about anything. If, even if she's not at home where she can see it on my face, she knows what I think about relationships, um, physicality and relationships, uh, life cho lifestyle choices. Like there is nothing that's going to come up in her life that she probably thinks. I wonder what my mom thinks about that. You know, I'm mean, like, she knows. What I she think. knows. Yeah. So, so differences in values very often don't like, we've had some conversations about different things where I'm like, really? I mean, why would you make this choice? Haven't I told you this story about my own life or whatever? But, um, but I think it's a huge challenge. And I think it comes down to, honestly, I have to step back and go, am I worried that people are going to think less of me because she's making this choice? And if, if that's really what's driving my actions, which as a parent, if we're deeply honest with ourselves, a lot of times that's what drives our actions. Um, and if that's what's really behind it is something about me primarily, then I just know I got to back up and trust the Holy Spirit to do his work. And I, I gave up a long time trying to be the Holy Spirit in my house. I mean, I gave that up a long time ago because it created unbearable tension. And 
nearly leveled relationships in our house because I was like, why are y'all not doing that? You know, I mean, just with everybody. And I just, I just made a decision that I was not called to be the Holy Spirit and I was going to let that go. And I think that's where that differences in values comes from. And then I also, if I'm really honest, I think, oh my gosh, when I was 20, what, what, you know, what was going through my mind? What was I doing? Where was I at spiritually, emotionally, relationally? I mean, even if she's making different choices than I did, I was, I mean, I was a, you know, crazy college student at times too. And I look at her and I think I was not who she was. I mean, I, this kid works 40 hours a week, goes to school full time. Like she's great. And I was, I mean, I was a college kid, like involved. I didn't, I wasn't focused in any way at nineteen twenty, And so I feel like giving her credit for those things in my mind helps me also say, God, God works in us, you know, and who we are. I I think I've said this before on the podcast. I used to tell Cassie all the time, who you are when you're 15 does not have to be who you are when you're 25. Well, who you are when you're 20 is probably not who you're going to be when you're 40. And if it is, boy, that's a really huge problem. (laughs) Yes. I was just going to say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm not who I was when I was 20. Like, Mm -hmm. I even feel like my 30s I need to apologize for. I don't feel like I landed into any kind of real ability to see myself accurately and recognize how I was functioning within the world until I was in my 40s. And so I want to give the grace I desire to receive. And if I want her to accept that I'm going to have bad days and that make bad choices that impact her, then I've got to do that same thing for her. That's beautiful, Terry Lynn. I think as as you were talking about that, I was thinking the same thing about my own life. Like I really started walking closely with the Lord uh, right before my 21st birthday. Thank the Lord. But, but that's when it happened. I was raised in the church. I made a profession of faith when I was nine, but really didn't have what I would call a vibrant growing relationship with the Lord until, until right before my 21st birthday. And I went through a season thereafter where I was just, I felt like the Lord was just pouring into me where I was just soaking up you know, learning about my faith and learning the word and learning how to function in the world as a believer and, and how not to function in the world as a believer and those kind of things. But I really, I just agree with you wholeheartedly that I did not feel super comfortable in my own skin and, and feel a sense of surety about my place in the world till I was at least close to 40, if not in my forties and I'm getting ready to turn 42. So Um, there is something about being able to offer our children the benefit of, of that grace that we wish everybody around us had given us, right? Like we have an opportunity to say, I'm playing the long game with you because that's who our God is. He plays the long game. He sees the eternal and we see the temporal and, and he knows that, you know, 20 years down the road, some of the things that concern us or that we're struggling with are just not even going to be concerns anymore. They're not even going to be on the radar anymore. Right. And then others of them may create an, oper- a, a, an inescapable forever kind of mark on the, on the soul that actually leads them into a deeper relationship with Christ. So we have to, we have to look at that long game. And I think that's a, just a beautiful way to a uh, beautiful perspective for having 
young adult children is to say they are still a little, you know, they're learning how to be on their own. They're learning how to, how to do these things and, and to take those responsibilities. We've got to give them the freedom to do that. I really, yeah. I think that's beautiful. Why is it so hard to trust God sometimes? We say we trust him with our mouths, but often not with our lives. We live like God can't be trusted, like he doesn't actually want what's best for us, like he's just another person who, as Eve assumed in the garden all those years ago, might hold out on us. Best-selling author, poet, and Bible teacher Jackie Hill Perry helps us find the reason we don't trust God. We misunderstand his holiness. Holier Than Thou is available now where books are sold, and this is one you don't want to miss. We've talked a little bit, you know, one of the challenges we wanted to go over was just learning how to offer healthy boundaries, and we've kind of touched on that a little bit already. Um, it's been woven throughout our conversation, um, but is there anything else on that? Like, is, uh, for a challenge of what a, what a boundary should be. So I remember when I was in college, I lived on campus, but I didn't live very far away. And we lived the college I went to was only about 30 minutes away from my home. And so I lived on campus, but I would come home as frequently as I could. And then, you know, of course, lived at home over the summer and, and those kind of things. And my parents were pretty flexible with me as well. Um, and, and said things like, you know, if you're going to be late, then we just, we want to know when you're coming home, those kind of things. What, what else do you think uh, are, is a healthy perspective or creates a healthy perspective on what kind of boundaries we should have with our young adult children? I think one of the things that has kind of, I've tried to allow guide me in this is, um, my primary focus is on just common courtesy you know, which is respecting and respecting the values that we have and realizing that she may end up, her life is probably going to look a little bit different than ours because our lives look different than our parents, right? I mean, we have not made all the same choices about parenting, about anything that our parents made. And so I want the boundaries, I want them to be, I guess, kind of broad in terms of, I'm not looking for her to fake anything for my benefit for the most part, you know, like, I mean, if she's really doing something that would disappoint us, there's a part of me, honestly, that's like, Oh, I don't want to know, but, um, <laughs> I need to know. But I, so I kind of pray often that God will make truth known as necessary. Cause that is that, I mean, like, that's what I pray. And so in terms of boundaries, I think every family looks different and what's healthy for our family may not work for somebody else, you know, and we have one child um, who is incredibly responsible and fairly mature, but she's also dating someone who's five years older than she is. And they're very serious. And, you know, I think all the time, like Scott will say, she's at, she's at his house again. And I'm like, if she, if she went away to college, we would have no idea, you know, <laughs> like, so I tell myself that a lot too, you know, is, is this reasonable for me 
to, I mean, is this something I would, or my parents would have known? Like, because we have Life360 on our phone. I know where she is all the time. My parents didn't know that when I was in college. Yeah, I know. No idea. We have that too. And I love it. Um, but it, yeah, I can see how it changes. It's great for a 14 year old. I can see how that changes a little bit when, when they get older. And she said, well, we were talking about it actually the other night. And I said, does it bother you that we still have it? And she was like, no, it bothers me that you text me and ask me where I am when you could just look at it and see. <laughs> because I don't even like, I don't think about it. When I lay down at night to go to bed, I usually look and just see where she is as long as, and as long as she's at one of the places where she normally is at that time of night, then I'm like, okay, so she's either a friend studying. She's at my mom and dad's house. She's, um, with her boyfriend, you know, I mean, and, and I just think, Part of me, she also, in all fairness, let me say this, Cassidy in her soul is about 85 years old. So she is in bed by 9.30 every night because she gets up at 5.30 every morning to go to work or go to class. So, I mean, like her schedule is not a normal college student schedule. So, I mean, when I go to bed at night, it's 11 and she's been asleep for an hour. So I, I always want to, you know, I, I want to be really honest about that, but I just think it's really largely good boundaries are about mutual respect. Mm-hmm. And so we have just asked her to respect how we feel as long as she is living in our home mm-hmm. and that's it. And that, and respect doesn't mean agree. I've had to come to grips with that. Respect does not mean agree. Um, Respect doesn't even mean obey, right? Yeah. It just means don't, it's just don't be rude about things. Don't be impolite. Don't, don't have a lack of courtesy. And I don't want to, I'm not by any means saying I encourage her to hide things, but I also would say this, that as we get older, we do things or we, we have selective conversations with our parents about our lives. You know, True. I mean, there are things that are just, are not worth the fight. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, I think there's wisdom in that, you know, like there are things that we do very differently from my parents. And especially when Cassie was little, that my parents absolutely just, they did not agree with. And my brothers had both experienced the same thing. And so it was just easier to, to not bring those things up. And so I think sometimes that's, it's good for me to just not bring things up because she knows how I feel, you know, kind of circles back to that. And, and it's not, it's not directly impacting me, you know, really. And I don't know, I I want to be, I want to point her to the Lord without being the Holy spirit, which is always a challenge. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing as a mom that I struggle with is how do I point her to Jesus without trying to be the Holy spirit in her life? And so I tend to err on the side of saying less and praying more. Ah, I love that. Saying less and praying more. <laughs> Learning when to keep our mouth shut. <laughs> yes. 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 So you you touched on this already. Um, so I think a lot of moms are going to be like, talk more about this. The challenge of when they start getting in relationships with with a significant other, and especially when it gets serious, you know, and because th- at this age, it's like, these are higher stakes relationships. Oh, for sure. When Cassidy started dating someone who was five years older than her, we were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and 
and we love her boyfriend. I mean, we, we took him on a trip with us, like two trips with us. Like he goes where we go. Um, we adore him. If, I mean, honestly, we've talked about it and, you know, if he at Christmas would have said, can I give Cassie a ring? We would have said yes. I mean, like we have no question marks about their commitment to each other. We have absolute peace about the fact that this is probably who's going to be in our family for the rest of our lives. Um, He brings out things in her that are beautiful. Uh, She challenges him in ways that I think no one else does. I mean, I just, it's, it's really great. And we've had relationships not as an adult, this is really the only person she's dated since she graduated from high school. And so it's kind of weird, you know, they met right before she turned 19. She just turned 20. And, you know, we're looking at she'll graduate from school in May, next May, a year from now, and they'll probably get engaged. You know, I mean, like, that's kind of the tentative timeline, which is weird to think about, except we just really like him. But, you know, they're adults. (laughs) And we are not, um, I don't know. It's hard. I'm just, it's just super hard. (laughs) I was going to say, I was like, I was like, you're making this sound wonderful. Like maybe this isn't so bad, but I like that you're just being honest that it just, it just is. It's, it's full of emotion. I bet. Okay. Here's the thing. Remember when you met the man that you now, I mean, like when you were, a year, you were thinking, we, this is serious. This is who I'm going to spend my life with. Every challenge that you faced at the time, like, you know, now as a parent, that's how your kid is feeling. Right. True. (laughs) And so it's like, Oh, what do we do? And how do we, you know? And so, I mean, we just, it's just, it's hard. And you hope that you've built the kind of relationship with your child over the years that you can be really honest with them and Cassie and I've had some great conversations. We've had some conversations that were had, we've had in the dark where we couldn't see each other's faces because that was easier. Um, but, you know, honestly, I, it's so much easier when it's somebody that you like. And I think this, my, my dearest friend, Marguerite, who we go to the gym three to five days a week together and her kids are just a little bit older than Cassidy. And she said, you just have to remember you don't know the first time they bring someone home if that's the one that's going to come home with them for the rest of their lives. So you treat every person that comes into your door as if they are a future spouse. You know, like you think you can't go back and fix that. So if you're a jerk to that person, then you've set it up that they're not going to want to be at your house for holidays. They're not going to want to be around you, you know? And so like, I am so cognizant of that. And especially Cause when she first met her current boyfriend, you know, I was like, he's five years older and he served in the military. Like, this is crazy. There is no way this is never going to work. And a year later, he's still here. And a year from now, they're going to be, you know, probably close to getting engaged. And I'm just like, I'm so glad that even though I had all those thoughts in my head, when he came to our house the first time, I was like, we are so glad to meet you. We're so because now he travels with us and he's part of the family. I mean, I don't know. It's just, re- it's really hard though. It's really, really hard because you also like, we're seeing now that shift that I'm sure my parents felt and it broke their hearts, but they wisely didn't say anything to me about it between being the most important people in her life. And we're not the most, like our opinion of us matters, but it does not matter the same. <laughs> 
Yeah, like, it is kind of a transition from being two of the most important people to not being the most important person. And I imagine that that is a difficult, you know, I, you're right. I look back on my own transition and it, it wasn't easy for anybody. My parents did a great job of it, but you know, it wasn't easy for anybody to, to let go. And, and, um, but the word, what you just said about, um, you know, treating every person that, that she brings, she or he brings into your home as this could be it because, you know, we don't live in a society where we get to choose our children's spouse and, and maybe we don't even want that, but, um, we don't get to choose that. But if we, but we do get to choose what kind of relationship we have with our kids and we do get to choose if we can continue having influence in their lives by the way we treat the people in their lives. So there's definitely some wisdom there. Um, and yet we're hearing from you over and over again, that it can be a difficult, you know, just a really difficult transition too. I think, I think that's what I want. If I could like summarize everything, which y'all know I'm not good at succinct, but if I were to say one sentence, what I would say is this, the goal for this season of parenting, you know, has to be that you want to have a relationship with your child 20 years from now. And so today you have to be thinking in 20 years, what do I want this to look like? Do I want to be the parent that has been so harsh and so demanding and so critical that my, my child is afraid to tell me anything like if Cassie ever was in a situation, let's say in 20 years, she has a child who's super rebellious and out of control and they're having financial problems. And like everything terrible is going on in their life. If I haven't done a good job now, is she going to feel like she can call me and I'm going to accept that these things happen and some of it could have been her fault and some of it could have just been life. And, but I mean, if I haven't done a good job now of accepting her where she is, um, loving her, pointing her to truth, but giving her grace, um, then what makes me think she's going to come to me later? And when they're, when they are in the season where they get to choose who they come to, um, sometimes she comes to me, sometimes she goes to her dad, sometimes she goes to her friends, you know, I mean, and I want that for her because that's true of me, you know, I mean, so I want that for her, but I, I want to be on, I want to be in the top 10. But that, like you just said, I mean, that's like, that's because of how I respond. And I am very quick to say I've done way more things wrong than right. Um, When Cassie and I have conversations about what I'm good at, she always says you're good at apologizing because (laughs) I have apologized a lot, (laughs) you know, and, and I think but there's a gift in that that says, I I know, I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not getting this right all the time. And I've been really honest with her. This, I've told her, this is really hard for me. It's really hard for me. And, you know, like I'll say, Scott will say, have you talked to her? And I'm like, no, I haven't talked to her today. And he's like, why not? Because his family talks every day. And my family is not a talk every day family. And, and also because I know her personality and I don't want to push her. And so I, he can call her every day and it's different. And I think that's another thing that can be hard when we have young adult children is that our relationships with our kids 
are different than our husband's relationships with our kids. That's what I was just going to say. Do you feel, I feel like having grown up in a home where I have, you know, there was me and there was my brother. So one boy, one girl, I feel like the relationship between moms and their daughters can in some ways be harder than the relationship between daughters and their and and the father and and vice versa. I think sometimes the relationship between you know a son and his father can be harder than the relationship between a son and his mother. Would you say that that's you know oh, an accurate sure. struggle? Yeah, I absolutely prayed for boys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just I think I think it is. I I know this in my own relationship, and most women that I talk to, even if you have a good relationship with your mom, there's something happens when you get married and have your own children that 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 switch again, kind of flips and suddenly it's your mom that you Mm -hmm. like call and you, and that that's my experience too. But I think we have to be thinking all the way, like, I want to make sure that's possible. I think the challenges for mothers of boys, just like my friend Marguerite has three sons and her biggest challenge is accepting that the reality is there's going to be another woman in her son's life. And I think if Scott was to be on this conversation, he would say that's the biggest challenge for him. Um, His role in her life is largely going to be replaced by her husband. Rightly so. My role is probably only going to expand and get bigger. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a, a difference like for a mom raising a daughter versus a mom raising a son. And then the reciprocal for fathers, you know, is that, that, that while they're at home and everything, I think there's less tension in mother-son relationships and father-daughter relationships. I think that turns around. And then it becomes really challenging. Um, so I keep thinking, you know, this is hard now, but I'm, I want to do it right so that later, you know, it's not hard. I want her to feel like she can call me and say, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's, I'm always trying to parent with the long game. I was reading some blog posts as I was trying to think about, I haven't written about Cassie turning 20 very much because I've just been kind of emotional about it. But um, I was looking back at blog posts I wrote like when she was seven and eight and, you know, reading things that I was saying even then about remembering to, you know, look at the long, long goal, you know, and see the long game. And, and I think, that has always been my prayer is that I would not get so caught up in what's happening today that I miss the opportunity to have a relationship with her tomorrow. And I think that's, that's the biggest pitfall we get sucked into because whatever's happening today is probably not the biggest thing that's ever going to (laughs) happen. And that sounds really crazy, but I think it's true. Like I know what I thought was big when she was seven and eight, And I go back to that in a heartbeat, you know, (laughs) over some things, other things. But I also know this, that, that eventually that does kind of change. And then it, you know, it, it turns the other way where the big thing, you know, you have done most of the big things and and you, now you get to just enjoy, like we enjoy our parents now. Mm -hmm. And I think Cassie and her boyfriend enjoy being with us and she enjoys his parents. And those are important things to me. And I just, I don't know. I hope this has been encouraging for people. I want to be really honest that it's hard, but I also want to be really honest that it's beautiful and it's so fun to see. I think when she turned like, you know, when they're little and they stop looking like a baby and they start to look like a little child, like, you know, I can remember how I felt the first time I looked at Cassie and she didn't look like a baby anymore. She looked like a little girl. And then I remember when she got her braces off and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is a young woman that lives with me now. And it was like just those moments. And now I look at her and I think, 
she's this amazing human that I would want to be friends with. And, and now we actually can be friends, Mm -hmm. you know, really just, you know, hang out and be friends. And, and that is such an amazing gift. And I don't, I think there's no way to fully appreciate it until you're there. But once you have that, you think about the people that you like the most, like you're willing to bend over backwards to sustain that relationship and preserve it. And that's how I feel about my child now is there are things that she does and and will do that I will not agree with, that I will not like, um, things that even could have an effect on me, but I don't ever want to let those behaviors impact our relationship to the point that we don't have a shared heart for one another. And I think that's, that's just my goal. Um, and it's where I try to keep my head. Um, I don't get it right most of the time, I'm afraid. But I really, I always, that's always where I want to start and end is there. I love your honesty and all of that because it was, it's a good mix of, it's really amazing and it's really hard. And those things can be happening at the same time. And because of that, you know, we're hearing about the challenges and difficulties that come with parenting young adult children. We wanted to create everyday prayers for you moms who are in that moment and that would, those prayers that would meet you right in those weary moments. Cause I mean, if we're honest, parenting always can leave us weary, whatever stage we're at. Yeah, absolutely. We, we specifically wanted to offer the opportunity to turn an everyday moment, the, the things that can often feel challenging and overwhelming and make us have to pause and take a deep breath to fill those things and make them holy moments instead of just everyday moments that we have to survive or get through we thought, how can we make this a holy moment so that we begin to see God more at work in the everyday moments of our lives. So with that in mind, we've created these everyday prayers. Yeah. And you know, we're at a different season of life and that your children would be you know, differentiating themselves from your family and they're a bit less of a part of your everyday moments. They're not in your home quite as much and you're still thinking about them a lot. But we thought we'd do these a little differently than our previous prayers because in those, your kids live at home all the time and they're around a lot more. And we just wanted to make these things you want to pray for your children as they make their way through these first steps into adulthood. So we've created a list of 10 of these everyday prayers for young adult children, and we're going to share a sample, four of them, with you now. Uh, We're just going to read them to you and then tell you the scripture references that we're referring to. If you would like to download those for free, you can go to our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com, and you can download that sample for free. So we just wanted to make sure that you remembered that, that these are yours Um, to use how you want to. So the first one that um, we want to pray through, which I think probably applies like so many of these to lots of different uh, seasons of life that a a parent would want to pray for their child is to make wise choices. So I'm going to read that one to us. um, And then we'll talk about it a little bit. Father, may my child be like Solomon seeking from you an understanding mind and the ability to discern between good and evil. Let her treat wisdom and insight like close personal friends and build her future upon the rock of your truth. May she find wisdom and therefore find life. 
So the references for this are 1 Kings 3.9, Proverbs 7.4, Matthew 7.24, and Proverbs 8.35. You know, as we're recording this on this day, our verse in the Pray the Word journal had to do with wisdom. And I found myself praying over that and um, just thinking about how we want wisdom and we need wisdom we have to seek it out and ask for it and God will pour it out on us. But then the other part of the, of that verse from today, and this was Matthew eleven nineteen, I believe um, was we need to also then trust the results when we follow wisdom. Cause a lot of times God's wisdom does not look like the world's wisdom. And that just really stuck out to me that we are praying for our children to make wise choices we also need to remind them that sometimes the choices that show the most wisdom and follow God's wisdom do not look wise to the rest of the world. And they have to learn to trust God's wisdom above all else and know that in the end, that is what is going to prove right, not what other people say is right. So when we were praying that, that just came to my mind that along with praying for them to make wise choices, we need to pray for them to have the ability to stick with them when it seems like it's not working out how they thought it should. All right. So our second uh, prayer today was for a disciplined heart. And again, you know, these are things we're praying for our kids as we're not seeing them as much. And we, we talk about helping them be disciplined while they're in our home and self-control and making good choices. But once they're gone and once they're headed off on their own, uh, we can't do that as much. So let's pray for that and pray for their heart. Father, help my child apply himself to discipline and listen to words of knowledge. May he believe that God graciously gives him all things and lead the life you have assigned to him, to which you have called him. Help him not to seek the approval of man and to offer his body as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God. And our scripture references for that are Proverbs 23, 12, Romans 8, 32, 1 Corinthians 7, 17, Galatians 1, 10, and Romans 12, 1. Okay, so I love that prayer about being disciplined um, because I think when we think about having, we think about discipline as our kids are younger and we think about rules. And God always in scripture, when he's speaking of what he desires for us, it's always about our hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's always God wants our heart to be right with him. And so when, as we are parenting at every season, it's pointing our children toward this heart for God. And so the discipline that we give them when they're living at home and when they're younger, it should be focused on their hearts, you know? And I think that that naturally changes and and morphs into that as they get older. Like when they're little, it's just like, don't do that period. Don't touch that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but like when they get older, we start really saying, you know, it's important to me that you're not rude to your brother because God wants us to love each other. And so we're, we're redirecting them Mm -hmm. to see God's heart. And so we want their hearts to be shaped the way God's heart is shaped. And we want our hearts to be shaped that way too. So I love that. I love that prayer. I think that one's probably one of my favorites. Yeah. And it actually leads really well into our next prayer because 
they are entering a season of life where they have a lot of freedom that they did not have before. And just thinking about that time, I wish I had more discipline in, in making choices and following what I valued and knew in my heart. But freedom was so exciting. And it was so like, I can choose how to use my time. I can choose how to spend my money. I can choose what time I go to bed. Like, I mean, just a million things that you can choose now. And that's not always good. And so our next prayer is to use freedom wisely. And it goes perfectly in line with a disciplined heart. Because if your heart is disciplined and you're listening to words of knowledge, you will use that freedom wisely. So that's our third prayer here. Father, we have been called to freedom. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Help my child to stand firm and refuse to be a slave to anyone or anything but you. Protect her from the temptation to use her freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love to use it as a way to serve others. Help her to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires and instead to live by and keep in step with your Holy Spirit. And our scripture references are Galatians 5.13, Galatians 5.1, Galatians 5.24, and 25. Galatians is just all Lots over the of place Galatians. in that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's such a good thing. And you yes. talked about the Holy Spirit earlier, Terry Lynn, and we bring that up again here, is like, let pray that the Holy Spirit would be there. Don't try and be it for them because that is not teaching them to use their freedom wisely. They need the Holy Spirit to guide them themselves, not us to be that. I think that's so good. And I think the biggest challenge sometimes that we face when our kids are little is that we are acting in that role and it's hard to let it go. Mm-hmm. But the Holy Spirit has the power to convict. We, we really don't. I mean, we have the power to guilt. We have the power to condemn, right? We have the power. But my words, if my words are ever convicting, that's the Holy Spirit's work. That's right. Always. Mm -hmm. And so if anything I say or do or she reads, any, any kind of conviction only comes from the Holy Spirit. And so I think that in freedom, when we think about them having freedom, one of my prayers is that truth will always be made known. It's like when I'm not sure about something, I'll be like, Lord, we just reveal truth in this. And so I think as a parent, you know, as we're thinking about praying for them to use their freedom wisely, when we have that sense in our gut, you know, that something's not right. And that can happen. I mean, I've prayed that prayer a lot over the years that truth would be made known. And and I've just discovered that that's a prayer that tends to, you know, I think that's a prayer that honors God and it trusts him. It, It places our faith in his sovereignty, that he is able to make known to us the things we need to know in the time frame that we need to know them. And it's kept me, I think, protected from pushing too hard on different things. And so, you know, I think I love that about using freedom wisely and then and desiring for truth to be known. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a wonderful prayer. So the last one that we're going to do today is, is um, entitled For Falling in Love with Jesus. And the reason that I love this one, I I had the opportunity several years ago now to um, travel to Liberty University, which is not very far from where I live, and hear Beth Moore speak at a convocation uh, for the students. And so I listened to her, and I'm going to try and repeat what she said, and, and I won't get it just right, but it made such an impact on me 
as a woman in her mid thirties, I hope that it made an impact on the college students that were there. Because if I had just known this when I was their age, I think it would have been transforming for me. And that is, she was talking about loving, loving things that are related to the Christian life. So, you know, for example, there are a bunch of kids that are in school there because they want to be worship pastors. So they love to worship the Lord. Um, And she went through several different things. Do you love to worship the Lord? Fantastic. Do you love to read God's word? Do you have a love for God's word? Wonderful. Do you love to teach God's word? Do you love to share Christ with others? All those things are great. But let me ask you this question. Do you love Jesus? Because that is what is going to hold you when everything else in your life falls apart. So you can love to worship Jesus. You can love the word, but you have to love Jesus supremely and with all priority, because if you do that, everything else will fall in the way that God intends for it to. And that just made such an impression on me because I do love a lot of things about the Christian life, but really in the long run, isn't overcoming any sin that we have in our lives just a matter of, of saying, you know what? I love Jesus more than I love that sin. If sin wasn't attractive, we wouldn't fall into it. Right? So there's a matter of us, of us having, of sharing our heart with some, in some way with sin. We give our heart to sin in some way when we pick it over Jesus. But what I'm, what we, what we need to pray for our kids is that they would love Jesus more. And that's really the most important thing. So this prayer is, Father, may my child love the Lord his God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. May he fear you by walking in all your ways, loving you and worshiping you. May he love your salvation and desire to dwell in the house of the Lord his God all the days of his life. And the reference there is Deuteronomy 6.5, Deuteronomy 10.12, Psalm 70, verse 4, and Psalm 27, verse 4. There is just something so wonderfully holy about inviting God into our moments this way. I I love how empowered this process makes me feel as as a mom because so often the things that my children are encountering and And as we've talked about, as they get older, the stakes are even higher than they are now. Um, I can't, I can't fight some of those things. I don't have, I don't have the ability to keep all of these hard things from my children, but I do have the ability to pray for them. I do have the ability to fight for them in prayer. And I think we underestimate that as moms. Sometimes we, we see our kids getting beat up by the world or, or making choices that we wish they wouldn't be making. Um, and we think we can't do anything about it, but we can. God has given us a way to invite him into the messiness that is motherhood all of the seasons of motherhood are messy and and difficult, but he's invited us to do that and to join him with it. And I'm so very grateful that we can offer moms these kind of prayers. Um, Cause I wish I had them when I was, when I, you know, when I had my children were younger and, and I'm going to be so grateful to have them as my children get older to just be able to turn to over and over again, when I don't know what to pray, when I don't know what to do, God has said, I am here with you. Here's something you can pray. So we're very excited to be able to offer these to you guys today. 
We are so excited to get these prayers in your hands. We've broken down the ages and stages of a child's life from infancy to adulthood and created a resource you can use throughout the moments of your day to help you make prayer your first and best response to motherhood. Everyday Prayers for All Ages and Stages takes the four prayers we shared with you today and combines them with six more, plus 50 more prayers that span the life of your child all the way through to adulthood. It's a comprehensive library of prayers for the everyday moments of your life as a mom. With scripture-inspired prayers for purity, bath time, cleaning up, morning snuggles, administering discipline, when you disagree, school, managing your schedules, making wise choices, wisdom, service to the Lord, godly direction, specific times of the day, and so many more. We know Everyday Prayers for All Ages and Stages is going to be a resource you keep around for years to come. You can grab it now on Amazon or by following the link in our show notes. This is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Ministry podcast. Learn how to share and defend your faith by listening to us weekly. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.